Do you think you will go to heaven? I hope so. That hope is uncertain. Jeremiah 29:11 says, "For the thoughts, for I know the thoughts I think toward you," says the Lord, "thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope." That is certain hope. This first candle of Advent represents hope, the hope of Christmas. Philip Brooks wrote the carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. He captured the heart of Christmas with one line, The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. In the little town of Bethlehem, God met the hopes of all humanity by the birth of Jesus. Hope is a powerful force in our lives. Hebrews 6.19 says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Christmas brings hope, and Christmas is also for those who have been longing for a Savior. They may be devout with their religious observations, but they still understand that their hope is for God to come to them personally. They have been waiting for Jesus to show up. He has. This Christmas, may God fill each and every one of our hearts with hope. The angels expressed what that hope means. Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. And that baby that was born in the manger and laid there in the swaddling clothes, he was the hope for the people then, the hope for us now and the hope for the generations to follow. Amen. Um, 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 to begin um, um, this morning, we'd like to share a passage. Of, oh, hope we don't we don't steal too much from from from. From um from um from um pastor ear, but we could. <laughs> we'll see. First uh, John four, starting with seven. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way: God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of 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 his spirit, and we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we, have, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, 
because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Um, as we um, are in our Advent season here, um, together we have picked the, this, um, well, most of a chapter. Not really a, a verse or two, but <laughs> uh, most of a chapter because um, um, because we b- b- believe it captured the, the sort of the Advent meaning of love um, for us. It's that um, it, it was started by God, that God sent um, 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 Jesus to the world for us. For as a divine example and also as an, as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. And because we have received... Um, because we have received him um, in this Advent season, we, um, as is written here, um, um, th- that um, th- that we have this love that casts out f- fear, and we no longer have to live in f- fear. Um, so that's a great um, promise for this Advent season. Um, and... Um, um, getting lost in my notes here, kind of jumping around. <laughs> um, I um, what also caught me is the end here, um, where where the author writes, um, uh, and 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 whoever fears has not reached perfection in love, and that really caught me because um, it states that um, when we have the spirit. Uh, we are spirit filled, but we may not have reached that perfection yet. So it's so it's a challenge for us to let the spirit work in us, and to let it take control, and to reach that perfection in love, to um, to cast out um, the the fear we have and the hate towards others, and to um, really perfect that 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 um quality in love um that is in us and so it's it's a challenge for us that we can all take um and i just wanted to add to that challenge at the end it says whoever loves god must also love his brother and i'm always curious about pieces of scripture when it says the word must um there's a um a scripture that says we must worship in spirit and truth and and so the word must really captivates my heart. And if it says must, then we, we're supposed to do it. We have to do it. It says we must do it. And so um, I was thinking about love and, and practical ways of love. And, and Josh and I just got married. And, and love is different than what you think when you're a child. And it's different um, when you're a teenager. And, and love is, is really emotional when you're a teenager. Um, but what God is teaching me through marriage is his love is constant. And um, I feel for men because um, God commands men to love their wives like Jesus loves the church, and that is a hard job. And so I'm glad that's not my job and it's Josh's. Um, And so 
God is teaching me a lot about his love through marriage, which is, which is new and exciting for me. And, um, so anyway, practical ways I think about love, um, we got a bunch of cards for our wedding with the scripture of first Corinthians. Um, and I know it's, it's classic, um, but it really gives us a great guideline of how to love well. And, um, love is patient. Love is kind. Um, it doesn't envy, doesn't boast. And what really convicts me is um, it doesn't keep record of wrong. And so those are ways that I can um, efficiently love well and just have a little checklist of, am I keeping record of wrong? Well, that's, that's wrong. That's sin. And that's not loving. And so when Josh wears watermelon socks to church and I, I hold on to that, is <laughs> not a good um, loving wife. And so I forgive you for wearing those socks to church. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I bought them those socks. And so um, anyway, um, we have the ability to love um, because Christ is in us. And so um, Christ gives us the ability to love and um, all good things come from God. And so we're going to light the candle. Praise the Lord. I am very, very thankful for the sharing of John and Kathy and, and uh, Josh and Laura. And just that, you know, we talk about us being the body of Christ and how we all can, we're all to minister to one to another. And, and I felt like I was ministered to today already in the worship and the sharing. And, and uh, no, you didn't take, you didn't take from, the, from the sermon, and, but I am, I'm going to be in First John <laughs> Uh, today, if you want to turn to First John, and uh, but I want to just say about hope. I read a little uh, line the other day, and because we had looked at hope last week and we heard of hope this morning, is uh, it says uphold, upheld by hope, that wondrous hope, that I shall see His face, and to His likeness be conformed, when I have run the race. That is the goal, to be, to be upheld by hope, that wondrous hope, that you're going to see his face and to his likeness be conformed when you've run the race. Isn't that a good pr- promise? That's a promise of Scripture. Where scripture tells us when we, we're like, uh, we get perfected in Christ, we, we, become to, we, will look, we will be like him when we see him face to face. You know, this is the Advent season. And like I said last week, a lot of times with the Advent, we look at that first Advent of Christ coming, and that is a celebration. That is something to celebrate, that first Advent. But there is a second Advent that we often neglect, and that second Advent is that he is coming again, and he wants us ready when he gets here. And I want us to this morning just to maybe uh, use these what words that I would share this morning and just ask yourself 
And I'm sure Josh and Laura were asking themselves this as you examined love. You heard it from, from Laura just talking about how a husband is to love his wife and the challenge of that. And so the challenge of this scripture this morning in 1 John chapter 3, and the, I'm going to read a few verses here, but I'm mainly focusing this morning for us on uh, verse 1 of chapter 3. This is uh, from an, an ESV version. See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called children, God's children, and we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as, as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. When we have that hope, when we know he's coming back, when we prepare to be ready, it gives us that impetus, that goal to say, I, I need to be pure. I need to be ready because I'm going to see him face to face. And I want to just rush into his arms and him rush into me. And uh, to be with him forever. Praise the Lord. So the ESV says, see what great love the Father has given us. That we should be called children. And we are God's children and we are. The King James says, it uses the word behold. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Other translations say, see what sort of love the Father has given us. See what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children. And we are. That's who, what we are. When we come to know him, when we accept him, when we live for him, we are his children. I want to read uh, something to you. These are, these are little commentary messages that I study. This is uh, uh, Charles Simeon. He was an Englishman, and uh, he ministered, I don't know, 60, 70 years, I think he did. Um, and this is, this is uh, an outline of a sermon that he wrote. I want to read the beginning of it. And it's titled, Believers Are Sons of God. And he uses the old King James because he was writing from years ago. But behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And he says, religion is altogether a mystery. Every part of it is deeply mysterious. The restoration of a fallen soul to God, the means of effecting that restoration, the death of God's only dear Son, as a sacrifice for sin and the operation of his spirit in the sinner's heart? This is mysterious. This is God's love at work. The effect produced, the translation of a soul from the family of Satan to the family of Almighty God. This is the point which the apostle is contemplating in my text. And it fills him as it might well, might well expect with the profoundest wonder and admiration, behold, behold, 
what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And, and this, so the idea of, of, of beholding, of seeing, of looking, that's, that's what he wants us to do. He's not telling us any details there. He just says, I want you, can you see, can you hear, can you mentally apprehend this tremendous love that Christ has given us, that God has given us, that God has poured out into us. In, in, the, in the Phillips translation, if you've ever read the Phillips, I'm sure you, now you can go on the Bible apps and get the Phillips translation. It's the older version of the message <laughs> when the Phillips came out. And Phillips writes this, consider the incredible love that the Father has shown us in allowing us to be called children of God. And that is not just what we are called, but what we are. We are called children of God. Until we come and accept him, we're not his children. We're children, the Bible says, we're children of Satan. We're, we live in a fallen state. That's what makes this so amazing to behold, to look, to consider, to reflect on, to dig into. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things into existence that do not exist. That's what he does for us when we accept him. He calls us into, into, into he calls us, he calls the thing into existence that do not exist. We, as a child of God, doesn't exist. And his name, as we receive him, all of a sudden were renamed. Now, Maybe, uh, I don't know, every particular situation in here, maybe the people listening this message online too, is that you may have been adopted into your family and you're an adopted child. And the Bible refers to us as how we become his adopted children. But God's adoption is different than our adoption of a child. Yes, we take a child in, those of you that have been adopted, and I trust that you were just had loving parents. They took you in as their own and loved you as their own, raised you as their own, and you've maintained a relationship unless they've already gone on to glory. But, but the difference with God is this. See, an adopted child does not have, does not have the DNA of the adoptive parents. But in Christ, when we are adopted, he begins to pour into us his DNA, his nature, his life. It's a different, it, it, that's why when we look at him face to face, we see him as he is. Our spirit, our spirit is in relationship with his spirit and has a confirmation, an affirmation that we're his. See, so yes, he calls it adopted, but we are his children, and we're called his children because that is what we are. And that, he says, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called God's children. 
So I've taken this myself as I wrestle with this. We prayed this morning, oh Lord, whatever you, however you've been speaking to me to be able to deliver this today, and I just trust that I can share with you uh, just uh, not even all that I've studied, but just what God wants you to hear this morning. Is And I looked at these words where it said, look at the great love, because one translation says, see what great love. Look at the word what sort of love, and begin to dig into that. And then the King James using what manner of love. And it caused me, it caused me, for those of you who like to look at dictionaries and Google words, when I saw what great love, I, I, and, I, and I Googled that, and it's like, well, if it's great love, to what extent was his love? What extent did he go? What amount of love? What was the intensity, if we're looking at greatness? What ability? What quality? What eminence? In other words, is recognized, the recognized superiority of his love, the greatness of his love. And the, the writer of John here, who wrote the Gospel of John, is trying to get us to reflect and really dig into this great love, what extent, how did it work? How did it manifest itself? And first of all, it's, it's considerably above the normal or average kind of love. It has an ability and a quality, and it's above normal. It's remarkable in magnitude. These are just words I looked at. And the degree of its effectiveness, full of emotion, and it's long continued, and it's marked as superior in character or quality. That's the great love, the great love of God. It was so great. God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son. It's, that's a mystery. The sovereignty of God's love. There's nobody ruling God when it comes to how he loves. The Bible tells us that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And when it comes down to love, he loves like he wants to love and nobody loves like God. And God, the Bible says, God is love. And it's a great love. What extent? To God, to give his one and only son? that then would die for us, to give his life for us, the extent who in here has ever given his life for somebody else. Now, we know that the military, we go out and we fight wars, those kind of things. God came and gave his life for all the whole world. What great love, what intensity, the suffering in the garden, praying, Lord, if it be thy will, take this cup from me. No, it is, it is my will that you go and you suffer. That was the extent. Perfect love. Perfect love casts out fear. He wasn't afraid, and we need not be afraid. And so, yes, this great love, it's a wonderful great love. But what about what sort of love? When we think about why would somebody put in a, in a translation great love and then somebody else thinks, I think it should be what sort of love. You know, King James folks thought what manner of love. 
What sort of love? What category of things having some common feature that can we look at when we examine this kind of love, this sort of love? Well, he loves, he loves when we're unlovable. And he loves us perfectly when we're unlovable. That's what he does. And in fact, in in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, which I'm sure many of you have memorized, and uh, like I say, I'm using uh, different translations, so I want to get the, uh, the words of this one, Romans 5, 8. We'll start in verse, verse 6, Romans chapter 5. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's great love. What sort of love? A love that will come running and chasing us down when we have nothing in us that that is desirous of God. The Bible tells us that every thought and every imagination in a, a man or woman's heart is only wickedness all the time. So when we consider the manner of love, how, can, how do you love someone that you know is thinking wicked thoughts toward you? That every imagination in, the, in your friend's heart is just wickedness toward you all the time. Would you go to the cross for them? Would you go die for them? What sort of love? What manner of love? What great love that will love us in that condition? And then, when, when, when the also the kind of sort of love, the manner of love, the, the, is that he, when he draws us to himself, we have no thought of him. It's God that then puts a thought in us to be desirous of him, and then as we're drawn to him, then he pours himself into us. It's a great love, and it's one to reflect on. What manner of love is not a question, it is a statement. Consider the incredible love that the Father has shown us in allowing us to be called children of God, and that is not just what we are called, but what we are. Matthew Henry, in his commentaries, talking about how this, his love, it's an effectual love. It has an effect on us. It, it, it changes us. And when he says effectually called, it, it, it means it's effectually called. He who calls things that are not makes them to be what they are not. His call has an effect. As I considered that, I couldn't help but go to, and I want you to read this, Isaiah 55. If you want to go to Isaiah 55, you probably, this has been scriptures that you've read, you've meditated on, 
you've seen in a devotion. The primary verse is verse 11 that I wanted to look at, but it's important to when you consider for us to reflect on this great love, this sort of love, this manner of love, look at what Isaiah says to this. Come, everyone who is thirsty, come to the water. And you without silver, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without silver and without cost. See, the salvation, this love is free. And it's abounding. What do you spend silver on what is not food? Why do, you, why do you spend silver on what is not food and your wages on what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and you will enjoy the choices of foods. Pay attention, pay attention, and come to me. Listen so that you will live. I'll make a permanent covenant with you on the basis of the faithful kindness of David. He says, since I've made have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples, so you will summon a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you will run to you. For the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Let the wicked one abandon his way, and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will freely forgive. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as the heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For just as rain and snow fall from heaven, and do not return there without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat. And here's verse 11. So my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That's his word. And I pray that his word today has been planted into you and is not going to return void, as the King James says. The word that comes out of God's mouth will not return to God empty, but it will accomplish what God pleases and will and will prosper in what he sends it to do. Today, he wants us to know that his love was so great. It was the sort of love that no one on earth has naturally. It's a supernatural love. It comes, it's given to us freely, and he wants us to receive it. Old John Brown, who I quote quite often, wrote this about this behold. In other words, see. He wants us to see. He says, I want you to behold with attention, admiration, gratitude, joy, and praise what free and transcendent love. That transcendent means 
beyond or above the range of normal human, human experiences. He wants us to grasp this, this great mercy, this great transcendent love and mercy, the great Jehovah God hath bestowed on us in making us, in making us who are in ourselves altogether worthless, mean, vile, and contemptible sinners. And he's making us his regenerated and adopted sons, heirs of himself and all the blessings of his new covenant. This love, this manner of love, this sort of love, is a love of, of Christ who's for us, he's for you, and a love of Christ that he wants to be in us. Christ for us and Christ in us. And, 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 and he, I read a, a man said, he said, when he wrote about this, he said, Christ for us and Christ in us must be taken into account if you would estimate the manner of love that God has bestowed upon us. When we come to Christ, he comes in us. When we come to Christ, he's for us. And Jude 1.21 says, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. He's coming back. As I considered just even this idea of as we ourselves see and behold the sort of love, the great love, and we, we see and, and we reflect, I would ask you to reflect on how his love drew you in and how you, in your, the moment that you received him and became a Christian, became that child of God, that adopted child, Think of all the things and all the mysterious things that he did in order for you to come to that place of accepting him. People praying for you, people preaching to you, the word of God shared with you, and you came to know him. As I thought about that, I thought about how many of us here, how many of us that might be listening, have a loved one, a family member, that doesn't know Christ, that has not experienced this sort of love, this manner of love, this great love, has no idea that, that while they are yet sinners, Christ loves them. And as I thought about that, I thought this word is not going to, it's going to go out and it's not going to return empty as it's preached as it's prayed, and as it's definitely as it's prayed over those, but that person right now, I want you to think of somebody that you have in mind that doesn't know Christ. It may be your child, your son, your daughter, your grandchild. It may be a friend at work. It may be an uncle, an aunt. It may be your own spouse that they don't know Christ. Well, I want you to reflect this week on the great love, the manner of love, the sort of love, the mysterious love, and then pray these scriptures and pray this particular scripture into and over that person or those persons with the idea and the claim, if you will, in your own heart and your own prayers 
that, Lord, I believe that as I pray this over my, into my closest friend, into my son, my daughter, my grandchild, that it's going to be like a seed planted, like it's going to come in like rain, that the mystery of your love that, that is perfect, that is penetrating, that is powerful, that will penetrate their soul and draw them to, to you, and they will have no option but to bow their knee and pray to receive Jesus Christ. And, and think about this, that it, it is the word of God. He doesn't call us without effect. His word is not without effect. He calls us effectually. In other words, it has an effect. And, and, and I encourage you to go to Jesus and say, I am calling my relative, my brother, my sister, my child. I'm calling them a Christian because I believe that you, you are going to make them what they are not. And I believe his love is so vast and so incredible and so wide and so high and so deep and so long that it is not impossible for that to happen. It happened in me when I was prayed for. And I had a miserable time until I bowed my knee to Christ. Who do you have? And where are you at? For those of us, again, those of us that have accepted him now, praying like that, but also pray for yourself that you would keep yourselves in the love of God and that you would wait expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life because he's coming again, the second advent. He already came, he went to the cross, he died, he rose again, and he says, the same way that I go, I'm coming back. And it will be personal, it will be visible, it will be powerful, it will be life-changing, and we'll all be taken up with him and we will know him face to face. That's the kind of God that's, that, that we serve. That is his effectual love. That's the great love. That's the sort of love. And I could go on, and I feel like I need to come to a close. He has great love. John 15, it tells us that no one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. The love of God. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. That's what sort of love. That's the kind of powerful love. God is love. and God is all powerful. I want to close with the words of an old hymn that you will know we sing it here, but I want to take the time to read it in a way of closing out today's message. If you want to grab a hymnal, you can and follow along. But this is called the love of God. You've heard it. The love of God is greater far than tongues or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. 
It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Second verse says, When years of time shall pass away and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall, when men who here refuse to pray on rocks and hills and mountains call, God's love so sure shall still endure, all measureless and strong, redeeming grace to Adam's race, the saints and an angel's and a, an angel's song. The last verse is what captulated me when I think of the, this sort of love, this manner of love, this great love, this this unbelievable, powerful, immeasurable love that is effectual in its work. Could we with ink the ocean fill? Could we with, with ink the ocean fill? And where the skies of parchment tell, a parchment made, where every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. That's the sort of love. That is the great love. You couldn't even take a, a pen and dip it in the ocean and use up all the ocean if it were ink. And if the sky was a parchment, start to write about the love of God. When you said, Josh, I don't want to take, I don't want to take anything from pastor today. You can't because the ocean is full of his love, just like ink. And no matter how many people shared about his love this morning, we'd still have more ink. We still have more sky to fill. And he loves us mysteriously. He loves us mysteriously. Let me finish with Simeon like I started. Religion is altogether a mystery. Every part of it is deeply mysterious. The restoration of a fallen soul to God, now that's a mystery, isn't it? The means of effecting that restoration, the death of God's only dear son as a sacrifice for sin, and the operation of his spirit in the sinner's heart. The effect produced, the translation of a soul from the family of Satan to the family of Almighty God. This is the point which the apostle is contemplating in my text. And it fills him, as we might well expect, with the profoundest wonder and admiration. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Son and daughters of God. That's who we are when we come to him. And he bestowed his love on you. What manner, what sort, what grade? You couldn't even fill the ocean. You couldn't drain the ocean if it were ink. You couldn't write enough in the sky to explain it. It's mysterious. It's wonderful. That's what Christ is for us. Father, I pray that we would bow our knee, come to you, be filled with you. And Lord, that your love would be effectual, that your word would not return void that we would be able to come back one day and testify of those we pray for, that you gave life. You gave life to our loved one because we prayed the scriptures over them and into them. And while they were yet sinners, 
the length and the breadth and the depth and the height of your love was presented to them and they couldn't resist the drawing of you. Father, I just pray that we would be perfectly mature, complete, and what great and what quality and quantity of love that you have for us. May we be filled with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.